This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, this is Kathy. Welcome to the Cinema Isle, the podcast where I normally walk to and from the cinema with my husband Dave. However, today I'm neither walking nor with Dave um, because I'm going to see Ocean's 8 and I've assembled a crack team of women, one of whom is Hannah Maguire, the Red Handed Podcast um, co-host. And hello, Hannah. Hello, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Um, so the Red Handed Podcast, for anyone who doesn't know, is one of the UK's foremost true crime podcasts. Hannah and I met at the British Podcast earlier this year, along with Saruti, her co-host, who couldn't come tonight. Um, and our other guest is Andrea Mann, who is a listener of the Cinema Isle, who got in touch with us once. So we chatted back and forth and I invited her on because she's one of the more accomplished people who've emailed us in the past. So she's just told me she used to be a jazz singer. Hello, Andrea. Hello. 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 She's also a writer and loads of other things and is a labour counsellor. This is true, yes. Yeah. And we've actually, and we've come tonight, we're going to uh, the Curzon Mayfair Cinema, which is a uh, little shout out for the local Labour Party. Yeah. <laughs> local Labour Party helped to save. Uh, last year yeah it's a lovely so, cinema I've never gorgeous. been before it's yeah. so fancy Stunning. anyway we're running really late because I accidentally told everyone that we were going to the core zone in Soho <laughs> where we all convened and then turned out it was core zone Mayfair so we ran here it's really really hot outside and we're having a quick glass of wine before the movie so we'll probably just cut straight to the chase go and see the movie I'm excited about it are you excited very excited a big big fan of Ocean's Eleven the, the Soderbergh I was about to say the Soderbergh original Ocean's Eleven but actually it's not the original, <laughs> the original Ocean's Eleven which I've never seen but I absolutely adore Ocean's Eleven not so convinced about Ocean's 12 and 13 was I re-saw I re-watched them all recently in preparation for oh, this wow. although I did actually give up halfway through Ocean's 13 I can afraid. imagine I just re-watched um, Eleven and Eleven was great and I thought yeah, I'll leave it at that yeah yeah, yeah. Anna are you excited? I'm really excited I've been wanting to do a grifter on the show for a while so this is going to be a good practice okay. for the long con <laughs> okay awesome Right, we're going to go, and there's no food here, so we're going to have sweets and wine for dinner, and we'll see how we feel after the movie. <laughs> okay, bye. So you want to hit a jewellery store? Not exactly. A diamond mine. Yes, that's exactly right. Or what? The Met. Three and a half weeks, the Met will be hosting its annual ball, and we are going to rob it. Oh, lucky you. $16.5 million in each of your bank accounts five weeks from now. That's a lot. Right, we are back after watching Ocean's 8. Um, There's like one of those big kind of true size cutout cardboard things of, of the eight women in the lobby Standees Standees Cathy that's yeah. the official and we're dying yes. oh because I did mention Andrea also used to be working in cinema <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. why I know it's called a standee you've got a lot and, of those um, in your yeah, bedroom back in the days when you used to be able to keep that stuff I think I think these days in cinemas you now sort of send it back to the, to the uh, distribution company whatever actually that reminds me this will also age me okay but I do remember working in cinema when and when Con Air came out and we did wow. have one of those like we had a life size they're the kind of plastic things you can put on a, on a glass door yeah. You know, and then you can peel it off again. Uh, kind of life size of, t- of uh, John Cusack. <laughs> I may have held on to that. Oh my god! Amazing. 
<laughs> well, with the would. bunny bag you in the would. back. You would. Yeah, I love it. And I remember when, um, totally off topic, but when Barb Wire came out, the Pamela Anderson movie, apparently everyone stole those things from the cinemas because it was just like oh, a massive Pamela Anderson thing back yeah, in the day. Yeah. But anyway, we digress. Mm. Um, so we're just out of Ocean's 8. We're back recording in the bar. So normally, Dave and I record our walk home from the cinema. Obviously, us three live in all different parts of London. I live in Surrey. So we're just going to sit in the bar and drink wine instead. Um, right, Andrea, thoughts? Oh gosh! Oh, uh, mm-mm. in a nutshell, disappointed. <gasps> oh, I'm afraid. No. Yeah, I did. Actually, I have to say, I watched Oceans 11, 12, and 13 in preparation for this, um, and I was thinking, well, as long as it's better than Oceans 12 or 13, <laughs> and actually, arguably, it is. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll get into why okay. shortly. But um, yeah, but yeah, yeah okay. unfortunately. Okay, so Andrea's our <laughs> writing expert, so we'll go back to her on the script. <laughs> and I should mention that is written by Gary Ross and mm. Olivia Milch, and it's directed by Gary Ross. Um, so we'll get to that. It's an all-female reboot that's directed by a man. Um, Hannah, what did you think? I think I'm with you, you know. Mm. like I was kind of 30% with it, yeah. and then there was quite a drastic drop-off yeah. for the rest of it. There was like a... Pro- I don't want to ruin it, obviously, okay. before we get to spoiler sofa, spoiler street. Yes. But there was a, a dramatic drop-off about halfway through okay. when I lost Interesting. Interest. I think I liked it more than both of you. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah do you know what? I had a lot of fun, but now at the end of the day, I always have fun at like, movies aimed at women, starring women. I, I loved the setting of them... Uh, heisting, if that's a word, um, the Met Ball, mm-hmm. and like the fashion and the jewellery, and I really, really enjoyed that setting. And interestingly, another movie that was out this summer that is really bad, I feel pretty, um, mm-hmm. set in the beauty industry. Yeah. And that was the element of it I enjoyed because you never see movies set in the beauty industry, right? It's always like fashion or nothing. So that was actually like, I, I just really liked that. Now, I feel pretty is really bad. This is a much better movie. But I completely agree it dropped off at the end. Um, and all of a sudden, it just went, oh, this is a bit lacklustre now. And I really, really miss Steven Soderbergh's direction. Is it Soderbergh? Yeah. 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 Um, I really miss his direction because this is no Ocean's Eleven, which I just rewatched last weekend as well. Yeah, yeah, Ocean's Eleven is it's so stylish. It's so just beautiful to look at. And the soundtrack is fantastic. So yeah. there's brilliant soundtracks, you know, and actually that's another saving grace of 12 and, 11, uh, 12 and 13 as well. But yeah, and actually going back to the idea of them, obviously the fact that they're all women, it, the one plus I would say actually is um, it's a bit like Bridesmaids actually where it's this wonderful thing where I felt like I really, I didn't notice they were all women, if yeah. that makes sense. So actually it felt, I mean, there's sort of, pretty much one scene I'd say where the fact that they're all women basically absolutely no bearing on on anything about their characters really I thought or or what they did Um, so I think part of me was a bit disappointed that it you know beforehand almost that oh it's going to be diamonds and it's the Met Ball and that's so girly and why did they have to make it because it's about women you know starring women when they're doing the heist why does it have to be around fashion and stuff but actually when it came down to it uh, there was literally nothing um, nothing about their characters where you know as I say that I in any way I thought drew, drew attention to the fact that they were women yeah, it was which is actually really nice it's, it was, they just happened to be women they were real characters and I would probably compare it favourably to the recent Ghostbusters um, which reboot, I loved. yeah, which I enjoyed yeah. but there was I feel like the characters were much different in this one than the Ocean's Eleven bar I thought Kate Blanchett was pretty much Brad Pitt yeah. but outside of that I felt like they were actually their own characters a bit and um, 
Although I suppose, I think for me a big, when I'm trying to now think about why I was disappointed by it, I was thinking about how I didn't have any emotional connection in any way at any point in this film. So actually in terms of their characters, I felt they were quite thin. I didn't feel like I really got their backstories or really got their motivation. I think I agree with you. I think the only one with any dimension to her was Sandra Bullock. The rest of them were kind of there to shadow her and to support her, which is fine. And that's like Mm. how films work. But like, (laughs) I also think I completely agree with you. I had the same initial response of like, oh well of course they're going to steal some diamonds because they're girls yeah. like no one's going to steal a rocket in a girl film um, but then I found myself becoming more and more annoyed at Anne Hathaway's manicure throughout the whole thing I was like why does she have the French tip acrylic that no one has had since 2003 oh I didn't notice that oh but God. I would have minded details had it <laughs> yeah details so then I can't even I can't be annoyed that it was diamonds because the only thing I was thinking about was nails the whole time but did you do you think though that Okay, so Ocean's Eleven, obviously, it three more characters than this. So already we've, we've cut out a few. It's quite bad. Do you think... Yeah, good, good math. Um, <laughs> do you think, though, that the characters in this one are any more poorly drawn than in Ocean's Eleven? Oh, or question. do you think when there's that many characters and that, that kind of a plot that it's hard to... I, I, don't, I, I didn't emote to anyone in Ocean's Eleven last week when I watched it. Except Ocean's Eleven had a really good baddie with Andy Garcia and yes. this movie didn't. Yes, and yeah. that's the thing. And actually, it might not be that you have to know all the characters' backstories and these kind of things. But I think you do need to know their motivation. And I think you do need to... And, it, and that's the other thing, actually, going into, like, I think, having seen especially 12 and 13 after watching... Well, half of 13, that's all I can manage. Um, it makes you realise... what may, I made me realise that... Because for me, heist movies are kind of like... If you're going to give me, a, like, a menu of movies I can choose to see, you know, yeah. it's going to be this kind of movie, that kind of movie, I'll be like, heist movie, yes, yeah. absolutely. It's like, even, like pizza, even when it's bad, it's good, you know? Yeah. You're still going to enjoy it. But actually, that said, when you start to drill down into it and having watched, especially watched those Ocean's ones back-to-back, you realise... I think the sort of the ingredients that make a really good heist movie and the things that don't and I unfortunately think this has some of the ingredients that don't so going back to this idea of characters and stuff you don't need to know all the characters backstories ins and outs mm-hmm. but I think you do need to know the characters motivations these minor characters mm-hmm. and you definitely have to have something emotional going on that actually makes you feel something yeah. for the, at least the main character and of course going back to Ocean's Eleven there isn't an emotional sort of and the ex story it's Julia Roberts yeah, but of course she's his wife yeah. so there's a big emotional story going on there about his ex-wife and so when we realise that actually that Julia Roberts is get, the reason Clooney wants to rob the the casino in Ocean's Eleven is because Andy Garcia is dating his ex-wife yeah, and basically so and though Brad Pitt gets really upset you know about that so there's an emotional thing going on. and also the buddy stuff between Brad Pitt and George Clooney feels quite definitely for me more well-rounded and more um, affectionate and I got something a bit more than you do here I think with Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett's yeah. character so I think there's you've got to have still have some kind of emotional connection to the to the real your real main characters that yeah. are holding everything together and that's another thing I realised watching 12 and 13 they didn't give Brad Pitt and George Clooney the lovely lines of dialogue and the lovely kind of brotherly stuff between them that made partly you realise made Ocean's Eleven really special and it's, it's hard hinted for any... at here with Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett but I still felt it was somehow missing development no. well they don't have the same because I mean at the end of the day I feel so sorry for anyone and in this case Sandra Bullock who's a you know fantastic actress George Clooney just has to walk onto screen and you love him right Yeah. and at the time I think he had a very heavily publicised friendship with Brad Pitt mm. so I think they were very good friends in real life and we were also used to seeing photos of them together and, and we already had kind of bought for me anyway I would have already bought into their relationship 
I've never seen a photo of Kate Blanchett and no, yeah. no, you don't have to and have also, seen it, but you know what I mean. Yeah. I feel like we we were already buying into you that. You wouldn't anyway. even connect them. No, you no. wouldn't. And actually, again, if you watch Ocean's Eleven now, it's like peak. Clooney and Pitt yeah. they have never looked more beautiful no. than in that film they really haven't they're no. like kind of it is it's like gorgeous Brad Pitt and gorgeous yeah. I don't even fancy Brad Pitt that much but they're like but they are kind of at the peak of their game in I that mean, film it's, it's, they've got amazing chemistry and I feel I feel for anyone trying to reenact that albeit you know Sandra Bullock's like America's sweetheart and I think she does a really good job for this but I think we should just get him into Spoiler Street what do you guys think Spoiler yeah. so far yeah, it's the kind of, kind of a nice cinema. movie to yeah. not, um, <laughs> not spoil it all so we should we are now on Spoiler Sofa for Ocean's <laughs> 8 um, interestingly just a little quick note on Olivia Milch who's only written a couple of things but she's one of these kind of hot new writers but she is writing the upcoming Barbie live action which is going to star Anne Hathaway and there was a Barbie joke aimed at Anne Hathaway in this movie oh, yes. yeah which yeah, is well spotted yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was really interesting um, now I'm really glad a woman co-wrote it and like honestly I think Gary Ross is a really great writer Um I loved Pleasantville, which he wrote and directed. But I'm also a really big fan of Big, which he oh, wrote. Oh, God. And yeah. Dave. Dave. You Dave, Dave. I love Dave. Dave yeah. is one, literally Big Such and Dave are two of my favourite films. Yeah. So he's like, my favourite you know, screenplays. I really yeah. like him. But I do think, and this is not reverse sexism, it's just because, as we know, almost no female directors in, in Hollywood get any work. And if you're going to go to the effort of making an all-female reboot or prequel or whatever this is, um, I would just think you need to get a hot as well as the hot new writing talent they have get a hot new female director and yeah. just go for they're it out there. They they're out there yeah, yeah. yeah you know yeah. it does not need to be Gary Ross and he's not got the style of Steven Soderbergh anyway it's not a particularly stylish movie no. it's a very much journeyman he gets from A to B yeah, and it's, it's fine pedestrian. yeah there was no there was no yeah. he didn't bring anything to it and then the funniest part for me is skipping right to the end there's a gag where Anne Hathaway the actress is now so rich that she can afford to be the female director <laughs> and there's like a gag about how basically she needs to surpass being an actress and be so rich before she can get a chance to be a director and I thought but this is a joke written by and directed by a man so actually yeah. this makes me feel a bit weird Yeah, I just didn't think that landed at all I didn't think it was appropriate um, but that's completely uh, by the by and I'm going to get off my high horse now <laughs> um, so what did, you, what did you think about like you know the way did you have you see, have you seen Ocean's Eleven lately yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah you have seen it I think you're absolutely right about how stylish Ocean's Eleven is as a film and where this fell short for me is like you can't get more stylish than the Met Gala I didn't care what any of them were wearing yeah. Yeah, I didn't yeah, see yeah, a yeah. single outfit where I was like that is stunning like, yeah. did you see the Met Gala this year like celestial bodies being the theme and the stuff they were wearing they all came in dressed like the yeah. Pope and <laughs> yeah, I didn't they, see that the theme of the fictional Met Gala in the film was European royalty. Yeah, which so you yeah. would have seen like stunning brocade, like uh, intricate jeweled bodices, and all of this stuff. If, and I, you don't see any of it. Any, yeah, they didn't even linger once on somebody's outfit, did they? No, no, no. It didn't really convey the sort of vibe of what it's like to actually be at that event, particularly. No, it was all too busy showing us like the toilet cubicles. And, <laughs> and again, that's fine. Like, show us the setup of the heist. But you're right; it just didn't have any sort of pizzazz about it and I think that's that's the thing about going back to sort of heist movies and what makes a good heist movie I think that it like in Ocean's 12 they did the classic thing with the sequel where you take it abroad you like yeah, it sort of starts so off bad. in Amsterdam and then it's with this whole other little sort of mini heist before you actually get into the meat of the actual real heist and watching 12 and the 13 it makes you realise again the beauty of Ocean's 13 of Ocean's 11 sorry 
I think partly is it's such a neat beautiful heist it's just that heist that is the movie yeah. of course this is nice it opens Ocean's 8 opens with the nod to o- o- the opening of Ocean's 11 it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's her it's, it's Sandra Bullock there just as George Clooney is there you know about to be released from prison did you think that was um, a bit ham-fisted though I thought it was a bit uh, much. I thought it's kind he's of my brother and my Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the point I, where he is the tox out waiting for him and she's got like this bejeweled gown out waiting yes, for him. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and it's a bit actually going back to like gravity. There's this whole sort of debate about whether in gravity it's like she's really stretched, such a strong character because in the end she's doing what George Clooney wants her to do. Oh, so God, like, it's yeah. like, so even though there's not a man in this film in the sense running the show, yeah. but there's, there's, there's still this connection to her. the end. She is. In oh, the yes. final scene, she's got an undone tuxedo bow tie on. And I kept thinking, don't bring George Clooney but, out please don't bring George Clooney out and they didn't <laughs> I know I yeah. know that was one saving grace um, but the whole thing is that in this film if you think again about how Ocean's Eleven ends and there's just this beautiful it's like it's almost, it is like a ballet isn't it these things when they're so beautifully executed when a heist is so beautifully executed and then it, and it takes you on this lovely arc and you get this lovely kind of buzz inside when you see them all pull it off and in Ocean's Eleven they just walk out and then you get the back thing yeah. oh my god this is how they did that walking out bit da 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 and then they're all standing there watching the Bellagio fountains there's this bit we're on spoiler sofa right yeah. so this is okay when they walk when each of the women walks out and this is the bit I meant earlier when I said this is the only bit where I actually felt well this is because they're women they can kind of do this they each walk out individually dressed to the nines out of the Met Gala I think that's the only thing that came close to that kind of feeling you're talking about of like when you see all the jewels and stuff and that, so was you awesome. see that, that was and if the movie had ended there beautiful yeah, like, it ended and then it, it just kind of fell but apart but then it goes exactly and yeah. then it sort of it tries to do too much and I think and before all of this ever ha- throughout all of this as well for me the big thing was there was absolutely nothing went wrong nothing went wrong for them and no. the classic heist movie again things would go wrong and you're on the edge of your seat because you think how are we going to get out of this how are we going to get out of this yeah. and the only thing it felt like might be going wrong was when Helena Bonham Carter is looking at the necklace and it's trying to get to 100% and I think oh my god it's going to stop before yeah. 100% and then it didn't even stop and, but it didn't yeah. so nothing went wrong for them nothing went wrong for them in the execution of the entire thing yeah. so there was no tension for me that was the biggest thing I think there was no tension for me and I felt no emotion and then and then and but then there was one the only literally the only time I was surprised properly surprised this movie was when James Corden turned oh my up. god James Corden there's like <laughs> collective groan oh he's not god. in yeah collective groan I just thought I can't and like I'm actually a fan of James Corden right I like him yeah. but this is just but, like it was it felt like he first of all did a fake English accent which is very strange <laughs> for someone who is English and he was poorly written and like just ugh. who even was he what was his purpose yeah he's it was embarrassing company but I like, think what? he was too young though it should have been someone who was much older because he's like I've known your family for a long time and it's like you're at you're most 12. 35 yeah like it's not appropriate that's true because she put away his father as well right um, it was just oh, really bad so but speaking of right we'll forget about James Corden we'll speak about the fantastic cast that was in this so as we said Sandra Bullock is Debbie Ocean so she is Danny Ocean's sister from Ocean's Eleven now I thought that was a little bit unnecessary but I didn't mind you know, it can I just say it would have been better if they called her like, like Danny Dyeth called his daughter Danny <laughs> she should have been called Danny with Danny an I with a, yeah, speaking like of Danny I am Eric. missing Love Island to come here tonight I'll say that much um, Kate Blanchett is basically she she's basically Brad Pitt right she, that's all we can say she's Debbie Harry circa 1979 yeah. <laughs> Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven and um, we've amazing. got Anne Hathaway who plays Daphne Kluger who's like a massive celebrity who I have to say I really enjoyed her yeah I felt yeah. like she could again if it had been written even bigger and better she could have had tons of fun with that I felt like she was on the edge of having she was trying to have as so much fun right. as she yeah. could have done she with was that. so close to like mm. just ultimate diva but yeah. she never quite made it I, and yeah, again the director just they didn't, didn't give her a diva no. dress yeah they didn't give her the 
I mean, this is a flat out criticism of the direction here he didn't give her enough room to just go for it because she, no. I think she was going for it mm. and it should have been captured somewhere mm. um, now and she also, gets a line of dialogue where she, she's horrible suddenly to her assistant isn't she meh yeah. meh she takes the piss out of her assistant so like oh okay yeah and, then, but then she's, yeah. and she's never horrible again and, and it's like make her that. just consistently yeah. an awful diva and you know Anne Hathaway has, um, has I think is very unfairly like quite bullied by the press and everyone was so horrible yeah. when she won her Oscar and I like that she was kind of sending herself up a bit yeah. um, then we have Mindy Kaling as Amita who is a jewellery maker who I enjoyed and again she had a solid purpose whereas for example Sarah Paulson who was Tammy a suburban mom and profiteer according to the synopsis she what okay so first of all so Mindy Kaling as a jewellery maker she had such a specific role in the movie and she was completely important to the plot and then Sarah Paulson as Tammy was just Oh, I can pretend to be a PA. Oh, I can pretend to but be she was, they this. They brought her in as the fence. Yeah, but she didn't but fence they didn't anything. need a fence. No. The whole scheme yeah. doesn't need a fence. And the whole premise is that Sandra Bullock spent five years coming up with this plan. You don't need a yeah. fence for no reason yeah. if you've planned it for five yeah, years. You, yeah, they didn't, they didn't use her at all. Um, then we have Aquafina, who was Constance, a loudmouth street hustler and pickpocket, who I really enjoyed. She was cool. Yeah, again, yeah. I just felt she's absolutely... It's one of these things when someone's on screen and even if they have like 10 seconds, they're just brilliant yeah. and they just shine and she's like that. But she's not given more than no. 10 seconds of dialogue or whatever. She's completely like she's emergency. Fantastic, like she's like the hottest talent at the moment, right? Like yeah. she's doing so much stuff, including like, I think it's called Rich Young Asians, which is like yeah. a huge movie coming out. And again, like she should have had more. Yeah. What she was like was the, now I've forgotten the name of the actress, but you know, did you see Girls Trip last summer? No. There was a breakout performance by this actress who was just so gross out and funny and um, hilarious. Tiffany. Yes, Tiffany yes. something. Tiffany. Possibly. Yes. And I and she was just given loads of room to shine in that movie and I yeah. feel like Aquafina yeah. should have had this. Then we have Rihanna as Ninebald, which was a ridiculous name, but she's a hacker. And I have to say, I think Rihanna's a really good actress. I really do. Yeah, I'm surprised. But again, I feel like she wasn't given very much. But actually, going back to this idea of like, they're all given a role to do and what we're going, what Sarah Paulson's role really sort of thing. Um, Rihanna, it's... It, Sorry, Rihanna. It's because I've got lots of friends called Rihanna. I keep saying it like that now. Um, Rihanna, um, her character is like doing everything. Oh, she's, she's doing all everything. the heavy lifting, yeah, doesn't she? Why is she, she earning the same cut as Sarah Paulson, <laughs> who's basically gotten a job as a PA? Yeah. But she's probably being paid anyway. Yeah. So, like, point, it's ridiculous. But I, every time I see Rihanna in a movie, I'm like, oh, she's a really good actress. Yeah, yeah. Because um, usually, you know, like, because she's such a humongous celebrity and in herself is such a style icon that you, you'd you almost think it was stunt casting. But yeah. she doesn't feel like that. Like, no. she's very happy to be, you know, a very secondary character yeah, and just do it. Yeah. Then we've Helena Bonham Carter as Rose Wilde. A ditzy, disgraced fashion designer who we have to talk about. As soon as they said she did, she was Irish, I just died. Which I completely miss, I have to yeah. say. And so at some point in the movie when she suddenly starts talking in an Irish accent, oh I was God. like, what? It was so <laughs> embarrassing. Now, she's English, right? Yeah, she's like, English. Irish she's aristocratic. Like, I just think, I get when and Americans... Was accent? It was shocking, <laughs> shocking. <laughs> So right, Hannah's so parents is, are both from so, Cork. So this is this is the Don Cheadle equivalent, oh, yeah, right? So this yeah. is the Don Cheadle now, doing a Cockney guy in Ocean's Eleven. Not as, I have it's, to say it's not as bad as Don Cheadle's, <laughs> but he's like the absolute worst, right? So like, I actually had forgotten how bad he was until I rewatched it, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, so basically, I'm from Cork, and both of Hannah's parents are from Cork. So we're authorities on a Cork accent. <laughs> 
Um, now, I don't think she was doing a Cork accent, to be fair. I don't know, I don't know what accent she was doing. But she was, was doing. doing this sort of, like, catch-all British person doing an Irish accent. She was doing Tom Cruise in Far and Away. That's pretty much what she was doing. Like, at one point, I nearly thought she would say, like, top of the morning to you. And it, there, was, that. It was very and that. there was no point to it. You're right, she was yeah. the John Cheadle. Because you know the way, apparently, John Cheadle's character wasn't supposed to be English, and then he introduced it. I wonder oh, if Helen of Honogarita was like, I need to just have something a bit different. Um, That's what I never understand when I see... Uh, bad accent in a film and I think I'm not hypercritical of accents anyway so I'm glad you said that you didn't like it either because I think that when I know what someone sounds like in real life and I hear them doing an accent I'm like nope it just doesn't sit right in my ear but I'm glad you thought it wasn't good either but you sort of think how many people are being paid to work on this film you've got to have an accent coach (laughs) Helena Bonham Carter is a a good actress if she can't do it who can do it you would assume being from England right it's actually very easy to fly across on a fl- Ryanair flight for 20 quid, go to Ireland and do a bit of research, right? And also, why do it in the first place? Because she was clearly, why couldn't she be like a sort of bonkers Vivian Westwood? Yeah. It kind of, it clearly, very clearly with her styling. That's yeah. what they were going yeah. for. They were going for Vivian Westwood. And it was very Helena Bonham Carter herself, exactly. right? It was. It was. I enjoyed actually for her, because, right, I'm a very big critic of Tim Burton movies. I'm not into mm. them, and I'm not into mm. Helena Bonham Carter okay. in those movies. I'm so over it. So for, for her to see, to see her playing someone like a bit shy and a bit stuttery and a bit different, I liked. Um, so I have to say, I didn't, uh, when I got over the accent, I did enjoy her performance. I just thought, but why? Yeah. Um, and almost like maybe they were trying to homage slash take the piss out of the Don Cheadle thing. I don't know. And it goes back to this thing about, again, about character and motivation and things like this. If you get that stuff right, then you also enhance the plot, i.e., like I said, everything was too easy for them. There, were, they hit no, there were no hitches for them whatsoever. And what could have been a fantastic big hitch would have been her trying to get Anne Hathaway. That was the other thing. It's a classic kind of movie where I watch it and I almost want to lean across to you and go... Sorry, sorry, what happened there? What happened there? Well, but then I feel really stupid that I've maybe misunderstood something. Like, for example, we'll get into this, I'm sure, because I know you want to talk about it, Hannah, like the big motivation in the end for Sandra Bullock's character and trying to get her own back on this guy. Mm-hmm. But that whole reason why she wants to get her own back on this guy, I was like... I don't, I don't, don't completely understand what just happened there because I don't maybe understand the the the, the, the painting. I would say painting selling industry. There's a better way of describing it than that. But um, so I got got a bit off track no, there. I, but, um, I felt the same. There were a lot of points where I'm like, I don't feel like Helena Bonham Carter would have been that easily swayed. Like I missed that in the. I was like, so hold on, why? How have they managed to get yeah. her on board and with two centuries? Hathaway just like that, and exactly where did they get these people from? That's the other thing. In, in, in a heist movie, when you're pulling together your gang, and it's like, I need the tech guy and I need the actor acrobatic guy or whatever and I need the person that I can I need the pickpocket and all these sort of things you need that kind of where are they coming from what, what how do I persuade them and, and if you have someone who's not already in the criminal underworld which Helen yes, Bonaparte wasn't yes. and she owes money to the IRS whatever I just don't think that if I was sitting on as an Irish woman as Helen Bonaparte is in the movie <laughs> if you're just sitting on your own you know desolate because your fashion show does not really badly and you owe all this money to the IRS mm. and two criminals walk over to you and say we've got a heist I just feel like I would think um, there's something dodgy here like these are plants from the IRS or I just don't she should yeah journalists (laughs) she shouldn't have been so quickly sold whereas of course Mm. the others are all criminals of course I'll believe that like a pickpocket wants to do this so I felt like that and I really enjoyed so for anyone who's on spoiler so far who hasn't seen the movie um, basically Helena Bonham Carter is a legitimate fashion designer and they convince Anne Hathaway 
through kind of getting Helena Bonacarte's picture in page six or whatever that she wants Helena Bonacarte to dress her for this ball but that, that could have been more elaborate that's and the that thing. could have been fun because I, I was really enjoying that and then it was over and I thought Aww. exactly that's the thing yeah. they make all these little this is the stuff I think it's like the linchpins of these kind of movies mm-hmm. you have to go right this is the point where they persuade that person it's the point where they get that person on board it's the point where they do this and you make that bit really dramatic and interesting and a bit surprising and stuff uh, and in the end she has dinner with Han- Anne Hathaway and Anne Hathaway's a massive fan of hers so it's all super easy yeah. so I did I'm enjoy like, the comedy oh. when she was they said don't look at her because you know basically she was negging her and then and it's silly and you'd have to have seen the movie but I thought it was quite funny when Sandra Bullock and Clay Blanchett were like out the window yeah yes so that, that she was, was the only time as well I think I actually laughed yeah. out loud apart from when I laughed with surprise when James Corden oh, showed God, up yeah. But yeah everyone laughed though in the whole cinema when James Corden and <laughs> look granted there was like seven people at the movie aside from us um, but yeah I think like in terms of in terms of the overall heist, like I personally, and I can see why you would have had reservations thinking that it was like maybe a bit sexist, but I personally really enjoyed the Met Ball setting and the fact that they were like 3D printing the necklace and like yeah. my, my main concern about the heist overall at the end was at, at the very end. So I think they've promised everyone what, $16 million? And then, and then they say, surprise we didn't just rob this necklace we robbed like a hundred of the necklaces and now you're all gonna get 30 million dollars and i just thought well that makes no sense because if they've agreed to x amount and you're the boss (laughs) and they've done their bit to get that amount and actually none of them had any involvement in the other part except for mindy calling to be fair and they bring back the, the really acrobatic little guy from the oceans 11 movies why would they get more money why would they you know split that I money think with it them? was is this was my major like drop off point with the film is like when you work out that it's all for a bloke and the yeah. whole point of the film is like oh women working together and uh, no but actually mm. it's all for a bloke so i think they brought in the multiple necklaces at the end being like oh no but that was just the baby heist the real heist was actually about us women doing it for ourselves yeah. Yeah. even though a man but I wasn't sold it felt like an add on yeah it felt really yeah. bad and, didn't and, it yeah and in terms of how they actually wrote that bit as well I, I did was very aware of this what happened because again it's this like why why am I not feeling the excitement I should be feeling about the revelation that they've stolen the revelation was and what one. happens well that's the thing what they do is they go they have all the ladies there in their kitchen whatever and they go haha but that wasn't really it and they open the fridge whatever, and there's all the diamonds and then they show you in flashback how they did it now it's, it, that stuff actually makes a big difference if you go straight to the flashback and you showed all that great stuff where they get the acrobatic guy from the original Ocean's Eleven film and they do all that sort of bit and then they show you the sort of reveal then you get it but in the end you, the thing is you know watching the flashback that they've already stolen the diamonds you know they're successful because you've seen all the diamond necklaces that yeah. they've stolen so there was all these elements like I said where I just felt no surprise and I felt no drama and no real excitement about what was going to happen or not happen and and go back to your point, Hannah, about the guy, that in the end, you know, it, there's, that's the other thing. If you're going to have that love interest element, the fact, again, I just felt, exactly, I just felt, I didn't feel like Sandra Bullock and Claude, you know, what really was that relationship? But then I do wonder, because you could argue that Ocean's Eleven was all about a woman. Yes. So maybe yeah. I'm yeah. being too harsh on it and maybe it is just a flip reverse, but I wasn't as invested in... But they didn't seem to have... It seemed like he was some guy she was like most vaguely hooking yeah. up with and then like granted he I think what happened was they were both arrested my, my impression is he didn't deliberately scoot her over but they were both arrested and instead of keeping his mouth shut when they were in prison he 
basically dobbed her in and yeah. then she you know was like prisoner's dilemma that she lost and she ended up in prison that was my feeling so I felt like he was more spineless than yeah that's and that's the thing again if you're going to have a love element in it if you're going to have this sort of romantic element in it you have to feel emotion there has to be something some depth to it I mean I suppose it obviously is different from Ocean's Eleven because in Ocean's Eleven exactly like you said it is about a woman you know it is about Tess it's about getting her back and there's but there's a beautiful moment in Ocean's Eleven do you remember towards the end where they catch on camera he deliberately sets up Andy Garcia to see if Andy Garcia would trade in Tess basically to get his money back and she realises that you know that that he would but anyway that's but, yes, but, like, but there is an emotional thing there but exactly here I was just like well Sandra Bullock wants to do over a guy that didn't she didn't have much of a relationship with yeah, anyway as you say like, all they so, did was like oh he made great he that motivation is job. it yeah. was a con they were running a con together and she's a con oh, woman anyway. and he yeah exactly yeah. And he picked her up doing like the baby cons and then he asked her to do one big one yeah oh, and right, yeah. that was which went wrong it, yeah. do we really believe right this is the same the same thing with Danny Ocean but as we said we feel like he'd better motivation because of his wife do we really believe that Sandra Bullock sat in prison for five years and only thought about this heist I thought you were about to say and looked that good with that much oh, makeup yeah, on yeah. <laughs> with the whole thing no one no one is wearing that much makeup in prison and also and she's in solitary hello yeah, yeah like, <laughs> you, they, you don't like they do this bit where she walks out in this like stunning dress and she's like oh I've got $45 I can go wherever that is not how you get out of prison in order to get parole you need to have an itemised plan of who you are staying with who oh, is really? picking you up oh, so this is what why we invited you on the podcast yeah 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 so, <laughs> <laughs> and it's been on parole uh, you need to know about prison <laughs> law systems anything I'm there you can't uh, in order to qualify for, for parole it's like a very long process and you have to submit a plan of where you're going, who you're living with, how much money you have. Or that you don't just walk out in an yeah. overcoat and heels and be like, all right, Well, taxi. in the original movie, actually, George well, Clooney had to phone his um, probation officer. Sandra Bullock had none of that. Exactly. So I have to say, right? <laughs> and actually, that's interesting because when we first see her and she's in the classic and it's mimicking, obviously, Ocean's Eleven, she's wearing the orange sort of outfit and stuff. And, but then when she's let out and she's wearing, she literally looks like Cher because obviously, bless her, she's had lots of work done as well as Sandra yeah. clearly. So her face looks kind of frozen. She's wearing tons of makeup and she's dressed up to the nines and wearing this ridiculous share like dress I'm like what and then I was like oh that's because you go out in what you were wearing when yeah. you were arrested which is why Danny's in his tux yeah. exactly and she comes out and she puts his watch on and then of course actually one nice bit is that they do do a call back to that when they later on in the film show what happened on the night when she's arrested and of course as soon as you see that scene starting and she's wearing that dress yeah. I'm like oh this is the night when she gets yeah, you know, arrested it's a really lovely link but it's called a dress out it doesn't that you choose before the clothes that you are released in you have to buy them in advance you don't it's not like in the Blues Brothers where he just hands it over in a plastic bag Hollywood is wrong I know and do you I have to say right like the probably what would I say I wouldn't say the little girl in me but some part of me got so excited when the first thing she did getting out of prison was go to a makeup shop like that was just you know what her hair gets more and more volumous she goes to a makeup shop for anyone who didn't see it say she's in the equivalent of like John Lewis or something and she takes a load a load of she just takes loads and loads of makeup off the stand and then this is brilliant but like, actually but the best to make this work she should have had no makeup on she was just out of prison but anyway she's plastered her makeup already then she goes over to the counter and just because she's dressed in this dress and looks so expensive and she just says oh, of course she has a fresh blow dry as well from solitary <laughs> and she says um, oh I need to return these products and they're like you can't return them without a receipt and she's like but the boxes are all sealed and they say um, 
well, you can't return them without the seat. And she's like, oh, fine, at least give me a bag. And then they give her a bag and she just walks out with everything. And I just thought, you know what, I would absolutely love to do that. I was like, going to say, will there be a whole spate of this going on now in department yeah. stores? I'm like, I can't believe I didn't think of that. I was thinking that. I was like, this is an awesome Which idea. Which department store that you'd rob? Oh, God. I mean, I just like... Probably next, got to be. Surely. It would be a good one. I basically love... What I do is I get expensive products right as a gift or I buy them and then I never use them because I like, yeah. don't want to waste them and then four years later I'm like damn it I never used that it was completely and I'd probably just go it. and get like sort of four of my regular foundation from Bobby Brown yeah, or exactly. something <laughs> basically get like a cleanser that would from be it. Yeah. and then I love the Lizelle. scene where she like does them um, like a little bit of um, a bit funny where she like goes in and like manages to kind of con a hotel room for herself and I was yes. really enjoying the small little cons yeah, and then it was like yeah. straight up to the netball but I just I have to say honestly I enjoyed it way more than you two but I completely agree at the end of fell apart but I still I love the experience and I always say this in the podcast I love the experience of going to the cinema with a group of women seeing a female led movie because it's so rare that's the thing Absolutely. it never happens this Ab- is probably maybe third or fourth time this year I've managed you know that this has actually happened um, so and that I- in itself you know to see a, a female event movie Absolutely. It's a big deal, and it, and people can't diminish and say it isn't because it actually is. Yeah, yeah and it, and it would be and it would be awful if, I mean, the cinema was pretty empty tonight, and it would be awful if anyone uses this film as a kind of like, well, look what happens, look what happens when we have women, you know, as, as well, women. Doing because well. actually, because I think it's nothing to do with, you know, a brilliant cast, the cast and I do fantastic. I do think it was the screenplay and the and the and the direction, and I think. They should be know, bold the next time and just go all out and get, you know... Absolutely, really there will be... Absolutely, there But you know what's doing well and in the States and people are pegging it for a sequel already? And one of the theories behind the fact that it was Ocean's 8 was that they want to do 9, nine and 10. 10. yeah. So they're going to go for yeah. a trilogy and I'm like, just go for it, I'll watch yeah, it. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think it's doing well enough in the States because Good. funnily enough, this is like, what, potentially like 16, 17 years after the first movie and this has a smaller budget than that movie had that long ago. Like, not not talking about adjusting for inflation or anything like that. So that's terrible. And actually, and also, like I said, my sort of original thought was as long as it's better than 12 and 13. That's the other thing because, you know, 12 and 13 are not are not great movies and they're all directed by guys and written by guys and yeah. completely starring guys. And actually, going back to Ocean's Eleven, much as I absolutely adore it, I do think it's pretty much a perfect film. But it is now watching again, like... It is sexist. Yeah, there, there is so some hard, 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 massive lack of women in there. And interestingly, of course, they bring in Catherine Zeta-Jones for 12. And then I was sort of looking up 13 before I watched it. And it was like Catherine Zeta-Jones and Julia Roberts both refused to be in Ocean's 13 because their characters were not developed enough. Oh, I didn't so, know yeah. That. So basically it was completely the guys ruling the roost yeah. in Ocean's 11, 12 and 13. And like I said, 12 and 13 are not great movies. And guess what? 11, even though Steven Soderbergh absolutely is a completely brilliant director, 11 was a remake. Yeah, you know, they exactly. did have a brilliant original story. So even though, but they, and the screenwriter of that one, Ted Griffin, um, I think that's the other the thing I didn't I didn't laugh in this film I didn't I didn't love the dialogue I didn't feel like it really sort of zipped along and that that it I, it kind of made me smile or maybe laugh and there's a lot again if you rewatch Ocean's Eleven it's it's funny and it's charming and there's a lot of there's lots of lovely little zippy lines and people have real character and that kind of thing and I think that's the thing like I think particularly um Rihanna's character and Aquavina's character. They could have had so many like snappy um, exchanges with Sandra Bullock and Clay Blanchett, and they did really interesting roles, didn't they? Exactly. And there's kind of a couple of exchanges, and then everyone just agrees 
to do what Sandra Bullock says. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they and it makes you realise again about the writing that it boils down to the writing because these are all brilliant actresses. Yeah. And go back to Ocean's Eleven, Brad Pitt and George Clooney zing off each other beautifully yeah. in that first film, and, I mean, and then they don't in Twelve and Thirteen. No. And it's not Brad Pitt and George Clooney's fault; it's because they haven't been given great light lines of dialogue where they zing off each other. And Kate Blanchett is like hands down a better actor than Brad Pitt. Like it's yeah. like it's not comparable. Like Brad Pitt was just playing, you know, a pretty they just ate guy who ate in every scene. <laughs> yeah. like, Blanchett was kind of chewing in a few scenes, but they, they didn't go that far. But she's, I, I have to say, as much as I said she's essentially the female Brad Pitt, I, I really enjoyed her because she's usually mm. plays quite a different role. And they did mention she was Australian, which was funny because speaking of accents, I thought she was doing an American accent. Me too. She yeah. was, I think, I think what it is is that what they said when she said, I've got this friend who's a nutrition expert, she's an Australian. So in that bit where Kate Blanchett is in the heist as, you know, as the kitchen nutrition person, she's supposed to be, she is Australian, but she probably has like one line of dialogue that you actually hear at that oh, point. So we American don't hear her being... Yeah, we don't yeah. hear her being Australian. Yeah, and I don't think you ever hear her being Australian, though. I can't. No. It was just like an Aussie doing a good American accent. What do you think about the twist? The other twist. Um, both twists were lame, I have to say. But the twist where um, Anne Hathaway was in on it. Because the whole time I was thinking, there's only seven of them. So is the eighth Rihanna's sister, oh, or is the eighth Anne Hathaway? Yeah, I kept adding them up at every scene, going, "Where's the eighth? Oh my! I did not no. clock that. Yeah, I was like waiting. All. I thought it was going to be Rihanna's sister, and then I thought, well, it has to be Anne Hathaway. I would much rather it be Rihanna's sister, to be honest. I thought that was yeah. like that. I was, really like that because she's so really young it, yeah. as well. Yeah. So like, kind of the implication. Yeah, like, like, of course, Rihanna's got a sister who's a magnet's wizard. Yeah, like, of course. <laughs> of course. So when Anne Hathaway kind of strutted in and was like, "I'm in on it too," and then they did more flashbacks, I was like, Whoa. "I kind of, it, I think it was an attempt to give her a bit more depth as a character." Because I think what it was supposed to be was her being like, "Oh, I put on this thing for the camera of this like." dumb girl who just yeah wears dresses and can't really speak for herself at press conferences and stuff like that and then at the end she's like oh I was onto it the whole time yeah. and I'm yeah. not yeah. as stupid as I look yeah I, but I just didn't it felt like in the same way the fridge full of diamonds felt like an add-on it felt like a, I would have been happier with it if she wasn't there. Why? Why? <laughs> like, we found Hathaway as well. It's like, okay, you're like a famous Hollywood actress, fine. But you'd still be a suspect. If you were wearing yeah. this, like, $150 million necklace, you go into the bathroom and you come out without it. Like, they wouldn't all say, oh, she's a ditzy airhead, forget about her. Yeah. She can't be the real culprit. And also, she would be the number one suspect. Yeah. Although I suppose James Corden does does interview her, doesn't he? But yeah. And then they have that sort of simpering line of, I really love my job or something. And I think an maybe you're supposed to think that he thinks, oh, it's a wonderful interview and this beautiful actress. But, mm. yeah. And also, if you're vomiting that violently, I, you are not fine five minutes later. Like, I just, you're I just know. not. I did enjoy when you said, I haven't eaten how for three days. Because you hear that they all did that, like, before the Oscars and stuff. They all, like, basically themselves. Yeah. So I did like that reference. Yes. And did you notice a little nod to the Casey Affleck character who was like the toy car? Kate Blanchett had the little oh, toy yes, boat. Oh, yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. But it wasn't that good either. It was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> and then they, like, again, they were a bit basil like the position, but at one point they're like, you want to know how we did this? We bought selfie cameras. We took a picture of the scene and then we put the selfie cameras in front of the cameras. I was like, oh, like they just kind of ruined the magic a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I just it's interesting because Steven Soderbergh did come off the end as one of the like, executive producers or something but yeah I just think the direction was lacking and if you're not going to get him right you can't get If you, ideally you would just get him even though he did direct the two bad ones right he did 12 and 13 yeah right? yeah so, but, but if you're not yeah. going to get him because apparently he only directs things like on iPhones now you get him um, <laughs> you just go for it get a new talent and just you know, yeah. you know Gary think- Ross doesn't need to be doing it 
I mean, I think I think it was Gary Ross's idea. I think this is yeah. basically. I mean, having watched them, I watched press junket. Yeah, I watched press junket, and um, which I now realise, of course, was held at the Met. So it, it was held at the um, at the uh, museum. So yeah, um, which was clever. And and at the press junket, basically, it was his idea, and it was. Um, good idea to be fair which is a very good idea yeah. and so of course him going to Steven Soderbergh and Jerry Bruckheimer who was the original producer of the, mm-hmm. those movies as well um, who's passed away now um, and then bring and then he brought on Olivia Milch um, to write with him because he wanted obviously a woman to yeah. be writing with him because obviously he's writing about women and for women um, and self-awareness to do that yeah no absolutely yeah. and he seems like a lovely guy and it's really interesting to say going back to you know Big and Dave are two of my I, know, I mean they're they're, so again they're perfect well, screenplays they're just perfect big. Penny Marshall should, could have directed this yeah that's, yeah. A, that's the thing I think Gary Ross is a really great writer yeah but I'm not sure he's a great director and I and I just think and in what this one he again directed? he's directed The Hunger Games which was like fine oh uh, yeah which I've never seen and he well directed Pleasantville which I am a massive fan of um and Sea Biscuit, which is probably one of the worst best film Oscar winners. Oh God! <laughs> it's, it's just a bit. Dumb. I don't think I could ever watch Sea Biscuit. I don't know why. <laughs> Even though we're not here to like give out about Sea Biscuit, um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if we've much else to say. Like, would you recommend it to somebody? I think <laughs> Pregnant Paul. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big fan, as you are, of like coming to the cinema and the whole experience. Mm-hmm. But right now, I just think there's better stuff going on. <gasps> Ooh. What do you reckon, Andrea? Yeah, no, I, it, it really pains me because I was kind of willing it to be great. I mean, you watched three movies, two and a half movies. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I'll have to do one of those lists, you know, when the real Star Wars geeks do that whole list of all the all the Star Wars films in the order of greatness, you know, well, including all the spin-offs. Pack. I'll have to do, like, well, exactly. We've got yeah. to do the original Rat Pack, Ocean's Eleven, and then I can feel like... An, well, I watched it all the way through, which is more than I can say for Ocean's Thirteen. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I, just, I left it at Ocean's Eleven. I thought, I'll just compare it to that one. Yeah. Because this is essentially... And it, a sequel to that. Yeah, and it didn't have the self-indulgence of Ocean's mm-hmm. 12. I just think it had that, unfortunately, that kind of thing, which Ocean 12, Ocean's 12 did have, which is this idea of a beautiful, simple heist is somehow not enough. You've got to do something else around it. You've got to take ages to sort of to get it all together, and then you've got to have some other spin-off story at the end with the, James, the whole James Corden bit, what happens after the Met Gala yeah. stuff. I wish you were really, right exactly, I just really, that's the thing. You can make a really simple, beautiful, probably shorter, but although, it, and it felt longer than it was. I was really surprised when we came out. I thought it was like oh, we'd been in there for easily over two hours, and it, it wasn't, wasn't such a sugar high from the wine and the jelly. Though. <laughs> I didn't think it was that long. I, I really kept you going throughout yeah, just, it I've all. Been, I mean, this isn't high praise, but I've been in movies that have dragged much longer than yeah, that. So yeah. that, I mean, that's really not yeah. saying much. Okay, one final scene, and then I'll get to if I recommend it. When they're all on the subway in the end, I was like, Bleh, vomit. Like, I'm sorry, but Anne Hathaway, if she's supposed to be famous as Anne Hathaway is, right, give or take. She'd not be just on the subway. <laughs> and she my problem with that final sequence is like, how are you laundering this money? You can't just go and buy things. You like, you can't. That so the other laundering was just to set up the boyfriend. It, well, exactly. Like there's this whole sequence where they, all of the women who've been part of the heist get to like live out their dreams with all of this money. And Anna Hathaway's the director, and Rihanna's got her own pool, pool hall and like all of this stuff. But like, you've Which got to like, clean that money dream. first. Like, you can't just take thirty-seven million dollars. 
and just go and buy something with it. Maybe they do like Bitcoin or something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just seems like, like so Rihanna's dream That's is, the next heist movie. That's Ocean's Nine yeah, for you. They, they, they can be a massive Bitcoin but heist. Rihanna's dream is to I own like that. a really, really dingy bar with a pool table and just play pool <laughs> with this old man all day. She's living a dream, Cathy. Yeah, I just thought, no, I can't That's the only it. dream she's allowed to yeah. have. And then, um, <laughs> what's her face? Um, Sarah Paulson's dream is to own a really big warehouse and just fence loads of things. Their dream and Kate Blanchett's dream. Exactly, Kate Blanchett's dream was the only one that was emotionally. Again, I felt like to go on a motorbike. But who's she going to? Where's she going? Where's she been? No one knows. No one cares. Like it was just a weird. We'll find out in Ocean's Nine. And I feel like she could have afforded the motorbike the whole time. I felt like Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, given she how famous. Maybe. And Anne Hathaway, given how famous she was, you would assume she could have afforded to maybe finance a small short that she could launch herself as a director. Like, okay, fair enough, like, the street, um, like, pockets, like, watch snatcher. Yes, of course, she couldn't have afforded, like, this Brooklyn loft or whatever. So she genuinely got something cool. Sarah Paulson seemed to be a really rich kind of housewife anyway. You lived, like, in beautiful kind of, I don't know, Connecticut suburbs or something. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't... And essentially, she just got a bigger garage to sell the yeah, same stuff out thing. of. But she's, the funny thing is, right, I really want to get a soda stream. And she had loads of soda streams. And I literally was like, ooh! So, um... Yeah, so, yeah, I was into that. Um, but other than that, no. And in terms of what I recommend this movie, yes, I would. Because to see an ensemble cast of eight women like this, at least a few of whom are over 40, um, lots of whom who aren't white and blonde yeah, and 25, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, I would recommend it as an ensemble. And, you know, again, I say this a lot, but it is, a, I think, a movie worthy of going to see with your friends, not just your girlfriends, anyone. And just actually just enjoy the performances and just be glad to see Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett together because that's pretty cool and all the rest of them I really enjoyed and I'm such a Sarah Paulson fan now yeah. I think she's criminally underused in this movie oh yeah for sure um, TV so far th- I think this is the only movie I've oh no she was in that movie last uh, what was the movie with uh, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep about the newspaper yeah, the post, oh, the she, post. Was. she was in the post oh, yeah, very was, briefly yes, yeah. but I guess for me at the moment the best I've ever seen her in is the O.J. Simpson story she's incredible in that wow. Yeah, I think she's stunning she's, oh, she's amazing stunning actress yeah. I don't know from this is I mean it's a few years ago now but Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip oh yes of course that's how I and that, I think maybe that was her kind of TV yeah, breakthrough she's in all those like American horror stories right yeah 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 you know, such a good cast. No, she is so, yeah. fab. Um, I definitely recommend, and I would definitely go and see Ocean's Nine again. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited, and I'm so glad you two came on the podcast. Oh, so it's been so lucky. Yeah, are we going off to like uh, some sort of little heist in Mayfair now? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely a heist. I mean, well. definitely, there's a lot of rich people in Mayfair <laughs> cinema. We'll say that much. Kathy. You're definitely the poorest people in the cinema. Um, <laughs> But Hannah, can you tell us where we'll find your podcast? Yes, yeah, so my podcast is called Red Handed. It's all one word and you can find it wherever you find your podcast. And on the social medias, we are at Red Handed The Pod. And it's all true crime and you've loads and loads of episodes now, right? Yeah, we're 52 from this morning. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And you two were like in the top 20 for the Listener's Choice Awards at the yes, British we Podcast were, Awards yeah. where we met. And which means you've got a lot of listeners, right? Yeah, they're, uh, they're very supportive. And have Andrea... Any, oh, I was just going to ask, have you done any heists in your... Uh, no, uh, stories. we haven't because you should do. No, I'm going to, but the thing is, <laughs> a good heist you don't know about. So finding a good one is very difficult. But I have been thinking about doing a bit of a, a rubbish one that went wrong because they're quite funny. Because we do a lot of murders, which some <laughs> people don't like, and some of our best performing episodes have been ones where no one dies. So okay, it'd be yeah. good to 
to because we're not exclusively a murder show, so it'd be good to find something where no one. Red-handed implies there's a bit of blood, right? So you need some. Not always. Sometimes. Or just being. Be, people being caught okay be, yeah. oh yeah of course oh very clever um, Andrea where can people <laughs> find more of you or work oh gosh on Twitter mainly yes. <laughs> that's where I spend most of my time I'm at Andrea Mann mm-hmm. uh, M-A-N-N on Twitter and andreaman.com yeah and yeah just kind of watch this space I've got an idea for a movie podcast which I'm hoping might happen so yes. what's, awesome yeah, we'll so be back if that happens I'm sure it will um, and so where could you find us oh yeah so we're at the Cinemile on Twitter Facebook Instagram we're on any place you can listen to podcasts and if you would like to we would love if you would go to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts subscribe and leave us a review okay thank you bye these are all Russians they're hackers are there no hackers who aren't Russian no there's barely any Russians who aren't hackers Three.